Welcome back to another edition of the JDD Podcast, Ask the Investigator, brought to you by EpiHealth. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Friedman from the GW School of Medicine and Health Sciences. We're very fortunate to have with us tonight UCSF Assistant Professor of Dermatology and Clinical Trials Guru, Dr. Tina Butani. Uh, we'll be discussing uh, her most recent paper published in the July edition of the JDD entitled Update on the Systemic Risks of Superpotent Topical Steroids. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So to kind of get started, I think, first of all, the, the title kind of says it all. I think this is a very in, important topic in clinical dermatology, um, one which I think creates a lot of agitas for, uh, for clinicians and patients alike. So I guess to start off, what was the impetus for the study? Yeah, so I think the, the impetus for us doing this, this review was essentially, you know, patients coming in to see us being referred in by either their primary care doctors or other dermatologists with the frustration of, I keep using my medicine, but like I'm being told to use it, but it's not working. It's not clearing my psoriasis. And the more I talk to them, the more I realize that they tell them, you know, their doctors have told them, you know, use this for two weeks and then stop but then it doesn't go anywhere else from there. And obviously that's not long enough for their psoriasis to clear, leading to the frustration. Um, so really our, our, the impetus, like I said, for doing the study was to actually look into the evidence and see um, is two weeks uh, really the max uh, for, for using topical steroids or can these be used longer um, safely, which was, which was our guess since we, we do that all the time. Now, you know, the format of this study being, being a literature review, I think that's a, a very kind of realistic type of study that a very busy clinician or a busy resident or even medical student can partake. Um, but certainly the challenges in the methodology and, and sometimes picking the right search terms uh, can be hard and you're not going to get to the meat of what you're looking for. Any tips about how to optimize, uh, you know, search terms, what you guys did for this study? Was it kind of clear cut of how to kind of get the studies you were looking for in this review? No, I think, you know, it's always it's always a challenge, but I think the key with the literature search is to be as thorough as possible. So trying to come up with as many search terms that you can include in the um, in the analysis is helpful. So, you know, for us, for example, you know, we did Cushing's adrenal suppression, adrenal sufficiency, adrenal crisis. We tried to think of, you know, every um, way or form that that could have been published in. And then also we had to go through and think of every super potent topical steroid that's, you know, ever been um, been um, published about. So, so I think that's the key with doing the literature search is really just being thorough in the, in your, um, in your analysis of the search terms. And you know, when you get, of course, all, you know, hopefully you get a whole bunch of papers back, mm -hmm. any tips to the audience of how to kind of sift through, uh, which papers are actually useful, which can you kick to the curb, or you really just have to kind of go through them all, uh, meticulously to find out which ones are, are right for you. Yeah, I think in some ways you do want to, you know, at least review the abstracts of all the studies that, that you come up in your search terms, but it's usually pretty obvious, you know, at first, for example, you know, clinical trials are always strong and we want to include those in the um, search as, as long as they're, you know, well done clinical trials. Case reports also are very useful, especially in something like this where, you know, there hasn't been clinical trials necessarily done, but, um, but you know, patient experience is very important. So, so for us, case reports are very important. And then, you know, depending on the type of literature search you're doing, other studies might be relevant as well, even looking into, you know, studies that were done in other fields and things of that sort. So, so and, and in, in thinking about, of course, those search terms, what systemic findings were you most interested in? Because obviously there's a lot you can think about with, with topical steroids if you're worried about systemic absorption. You know, what were you really targeting here? 
we were really targeting the the serious you know side effects of topical steroids. So as we know, you know, topical steroids can cause skin atrophy um, and things of that sort. And you might get a little bit of systemic absorption, but not have um, the patients be symptomatic. But we wanted to know how many patients were having clinically significant effects with um, superpotent topical steroids, and that's why we chose to look for things like Cushing syndrome, adrenal suppression, adrenal insufficiency. So what did you guys find? So we found, so there wasn't a lot in the literature, we'll be honest, but from what we found, there was about um, 14 cases that have been reported of um, patients who had Cushing syndrome after the use of superpotent topical steroids. And out of those 14, um, all of them actually had been using um, topical steroids either more than 50 grams a week, which is, you know, a lot of superpotent topical steroid or they had been using it for more than five years. So all in all, we found that, you know, while all, while patients, um, as long as they're using it for a reasonable period of time and at 50 grams a week, um, these, these topical steroids are likely to be safe as long as they're being closely monitored by their doctors. You know, something I, I thought was very interesting in, in your conclusions, you know, obviously adrenal um, suppression and sufficiency is what we're really most concerned of, that they're on the steroid for a long time. They stop, they go into adrenal crisis. Um, mm -hmm. I found it very interesting that the cases of adrenal suppression really would, it was unlikely for them to occur if you didn't also see Cushing syndrome or any Cushionoid features. Um, and, and that's great that there could be some kind of, you know, clinical or visual cue that this person could be at risk for developing uh, adrenal suppression. Um, was that kind of true across the board from the studies you, you looked at? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we didn't actually, um, when we were first doing the search, our hypothesis actually wasn't, um, we didn't think that that would be the case. But when, you know, when we looked at the literature, it showed that, um, yes, the five cases of adrenal um, insufficiency that we saw were all um, after patients had had presented with Cushing syndrome. So you're absolutely right um, that, that it seems that Cushing syndrome precedes the, um, the symptoms of adrenal insufficiency. So where does this whole less than 50 grams per week come from? And because you look at the product insert for several different high potency topical steroids, some say no more longer than two weeks or ask your doctor, no longer than three weeks, ask your doctor. <laughs> How is this all defined even? Yeah, so so these these time cutoffs were basically what was used in the original clinical trials when the steroids were were being tested, and so whatever the the protocol or the the design at that time of the clinical trial was, that's what the FDA approved. So for all topical steroids, the trials are usually two to four weeks. Um, the FDA looks at that two to four week data, says great, and puts it on the package insert that these are these are um, okay to use for two to four weeks, um, and so um, essentially that's that's where that time cutoff comes from. Now, it's interesting. I think a lot of these potency classes are not based on efficacy, but rather how these steroids vasoconstrict. Mm -hmm. um, is there something to be said about, you know, how well steroid works and, and the likelihood of maybe uh, cushion syndrome or uh, adrenal suppression versus the effect on the blood vessels? Or is that it's more just related to the blood vessel constriction? So we think that, you know, the strength of the topical steroid is related to the is, is correlated with how well it constricts blood vessels, essentially. Um, and we do think that the strength of the topical steroid probably correlates with Cushing syndrome as well. However, in this, you know, review, we only focused on the superpotent topical steroids. So, so, you know, honestly, we didn't look at the, at the other kind of high strength or medium strength steroids and looking at their effects. However, if we didn't see too many cases with the superpotent topical steroids, it's highly unlikely that there would be any problems with the with the less stronger steroids. 
Did, did you come across anything in the literature regarding, you know, obviously consistent use, but then doing pulse use as kind of maintenance therapy with ultrapotent topical steroids? Or has no one looked at that yet? So it has been looked at in the past, and we, we didn't look at that in this review, but but definitely. So, so pulse therapy has been tested where patients patients are basically treated for a period, let's say two to four weeks, then they're given a break, either off steroid or more likely they're transitioned to kind of a non-steroidal agent for maintenance. Um, and that's been looked at before, actually at our center um, with my with my mentor, Dr. John Koo, we did a study in the past where we kind of um, did that alternating back and forth um, treatment um, in order to clear patients. And we, we were able to show that, you know, even long-term up to, you know, 12, 16, 20 weeks, um, these patients did really well with no evidence of systemic side effects um, and with better clearance of their psoriasis overall. So what's the take-home message from the study that you hope the, the, the readership and of course those listening uh, kind of take away from, from your work here? Yeah, so I think overall a huge problem, you know, psoriasis, any chronic inflammatory disease is under treatment and patients getting frustrated because they're being undertreated. They give up on their treatments too easily. Um, and so, so I think the take home message for this is for physicians is don't be afraid to use your topical steroid for longer than two to four weeks. Patients with really thick plaques of psoriasis um, need, you know, that longer period of time to clear. And if you top, stop too soon, that psoriasis will come right back. And, and again, it'll lead to that patient frustration. So really don't be afraid. If there's any hesitancy at all, just bring them back in more frequently, you know, monitor them more frequently, make sure that they're not, you know, thinning out their skin, having any, you know, um, preceding symptoms that might, you know, lead us to think that they would go on to um, develop adrenal insufficiency. Um, I think that's the key. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid of using it and, and, you know, keep using it until your patients are clear. I think you brought up such an important point about close follow-up uh, and certainly close follow-up and compliance and proper use of any medication, forgetting even topical steroids or ones that have potential risk with chronic use, uh, will probably improve the proper use and, and meaningful use of these steroids that would ultimately limit uh, these side effects, whether it be localized or, or systemic. Um, after a word from our sponsor, we'll be back with Dr. Bhutani to talk about a little bit more about practical pearls, how she uses topical steroids, how she counsels her patients, uh, and, and all the like. This podcast is brought to you by EPI Health, a specialty company with a focus on dermatology. Their goal is to bring you best-in-class skincare solutions for unmet medical needs. Currently, they bring you Nuvail, Cidavig, and Benzol HP. They are continually expanding their prescription product line to offer dermatologists like you and patients new and better options to treat skin conditions. And we're back with Dr. Tina Butani talking about topical steroids, specifically super potent topical steroid use for chronic inflammatory diseases. Um, I think one of our greatest challenges uh, for us is not necessarily uh, being concerned about causing you know, systemic side effects, but actually it's getting the patient on board with using topical steroids already through the door. Uh, they don't want it for the most part, and they've tried it before and they say, you know, I, I've been given the steroid it doesn't work. And then of course you ask, well, did the problem go away? Yeah, but it came back. So clearly it didn't work. Um, and also they're afraid. They're afraid of using these things too long. How do you address these concerns, whether some be real, some be mythical, you know, how do you, what's your kind of discussion with your patients about the pros and cons of topical steroids? 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. And all of those concerns come up in my clinic, I think, every day. Um, so first of all, you know, patients who are frustrated with using the topical steroid, I kind of, you know, I ask them, I go through each one that they've used, if they can remember the names of them. I go through each one. I ask them how long, you know, they used it for and whether at the end of that treatment they were actually clear at the end of it. And of course, you know, most of the time when I talk to them, they say they used it for two weeks, their psoriasis was not clear by the end of that. They were told to stop and their psoriasis came right back. So using that kind of, um, you know, thought process, I tell them, I said, okay, well, how about we, we try it again? You are obviously getting some improvement, but maybe if we do it for a little longer, um, we can get you that clearance and then kind of come up with a long-term plan. And so I asked them to basically kind of buy in once again and trust me as a new physician and let's try a different approach. Um, and, you know, most of the time so far, that's, that's worked well. Um, and, and, um, you know, as far as uh, the patients that, that don't want to use the topical steroid and are afraid of using it long term, I kind of use the same approach. I say, hey, let's try this at first because, you know, I really want to get you clear quick. And the quickest way for me to do that is for, for me to use this topical steroid. But I'm totally on the same page with you. I don't want to use this long term if we don't have to. And as long as we can get you clear, um, I think that, you know, in the long term, we can transition to a non-steroid agent or something else to kind of keep you under control without having to use these steroids long term. Um, so that's really my strategy. I really am just, I, I kind of treat them like an open book. I told them, you know, this is exactly what's on my mind. This is my strategy. And I think patients appreciate that. I think they appreciate that I'm kind of walking them through the whole process. They know what's about to happen. Um, and then again, I think, you know, the close follow-up. So I keep bringing them back every, you know, two to four weeks in that initial clearing period just to show them like, hey, this is still working. Keep on going. Just like you said, improving compliance, really improving patient satisfaction. Um, and then once they're clear, then we can, you know, space out the visits and be, be less um, strict about it. But, but yeah, that's kind of my strategy. Yeah, you see, hey, look, it actually works. So keep using exactly. it. I'm telling you to <laughs> believe. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah. you got to be a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of potency, you know, I, I would imagine based on the title of the study, you may be a, a little biased towards stronger topical steroids. <laughs> but I'm not going to speak for you. You know, what what is your approach to potency? Do you kind of reach for the big guns, especially for that you know that patient who comes in has never been treated before or is so frustrated because they've received the go-to internal medicine, emergency medicine, family practice, triumphs alone point, you know, 025%, which is nothing for them. You know, yeah. do, do you tend to feel like you're going for the higher potency ones almost automatically or, or, or how, how do you kind of you just, you know, go between all the different classes of, of those topical steroids? Totally. Well, I think there's a few factors that come into play. And yes, you know, me, I, I work in a psoriasis center, so I tend to see more of the moderate to severe cases, patients with really thick plaques. And so honestly, you know, I do have to most often go with the super potent topical steroids. But I think that a lot of things need to be taken into account. So one, like I said, is the thickness of the plaque, the severity of psoriasis. So that's going to kind of signal you um, onto the strength of the topical steroid. You would use. Obviously, a thinner plaque might not need the super potent topical steroid. Um, body surface involvement is really important because patients have a large body surface involvement. I have to think about, you know, things like logistics, like a small 60 gram tube of clobetasol might not really, you know, cut it for their entire body. So I might have to use that to, you know, the more stubborn areas and use something like triamcinolone that I can get in a large pound jar over a larger surface area of their body. So those are kind of things that I, that I take into account. Um, but, you know, again, take Taking into, effect, taking into account that I do want the patients to be satisfied and compliant, I try to use the highest topical steroid that I think is going to be safe for them because I do think that if they do see those quick results, um, their, their chances of, of complying with my therapy regimen will be higher. 
Now, you know, I, I think historically we were all taught that you could only use certain classes on certain locations. So, mm-hmm. you know, face, underarms, and groin, you know, oh, God forbid you use a class one steroid there. Right. Don't you ever use a class one steroid there. And, and I think, you know, this this perception has certainly continued onward. I hear people talking about it all the time. Like, oh, this is the strongest thing you can use here. Do you buy into that, that there are certain locations, you know, regardless of how you use it, how often you use it, or for how long you use it, you know, you, you have to stick to certain potency classes for those areas, or or is that somewhat of a myth? I think, you know, in my experience, I think that's someone, somewhat of a myth. I mean, I agree that, you know, long-term, you don't want to send people away with a super potent topical steroid, give them an endless supply to use in the groin, and then never come back and see you. You know, that is obviously unsafe. But again, as long as the patients are being closely monitored, you're giving them appropriate amounts in the prescription, um, I think that it's it's actually safe to to use stronger steroids in, the, in sensitive areas. And I actually learned that from my colleagues in OB-GYN, because they treat, you know, a lot of lichen sclerosis. And I saw that they were using in kind of thin sclerotic skin, they were using clobetasol and not hesitating at all. And they told me, they said, you know, well, you have to use a super potent topical steroid to get these patients any symptom relief. And and actually, they probably monitor less than, than we do in some cases. And so by, by seeing that, it kind of gave me a little strength to start being a little more aggressive <laughs> in, um, in those cases as well. It's certainly always reassuring when OBGYN says it's okay to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> because we're like, oh, pregnancy, oh no, we don't want to try that even to class B. <laughs> totally. They say it's yeah. okay, then yeah, I, th- I think that that's the green light, no question. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about vehicles? You know, vehicles obviously play a big role with respect to compliance for certain locations. Or, you know, certain types of vehicles are more amenable to hair bearing versus drier areas versus broader areas. But they also do affect the penetration of steroids, especially mm-hmm. when you're thinking about super potent topical steroids. How do you take that into account when you're you're giving your recommendations? Yeah, so so if you know I could have my ideal in every patient, I would want to treat them with either an ointment or a spray because I think in our experience those are kind of the two classes where penetration seems to be the best, absorption seems to be the best, and the they're the most efficacious. However, you know I think Steve Feldman says it best. I think he says you know the best vehicle for a patient is the vehicle that that patient's actually going to use. So there's not a clear cut vehicle for every patient. Um, so so that's again you know a conversation you have to have with your patients. I have patients that actually prefer ointments over cream because they like the moisturizing aspect of it. And then I have others that say, I absolutely don't want an ointment. Don't even think of prescribing me the ointment. I won't use it. Um, so again, that's a conversation you have with the patient. And in the end, I would rather use maybe something that wouldn't have as much penetration, but that I would be sure the patient is applying to their skin. Now, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, your acolyte of, of Dr. John Koo, uh, who, who loves talking about the yin and yang of topical steroids, hitting <laughs> yeah. it strong, then going kind of light. I love this kind of like, you know, the, the, the Tai Chi kind of push hands approach to topical <laughs> yeah. steroids. Um, do you kind of ascribe to this? I mean, obviously working closely with them, do you incorporate that into your practice? And if so, how do you do it? Or if you do something a little different, how do you do it? Yeah, no, I think we definitely, like I said, I trained under him and I definitely, you know, subscribe to that method. I think there's different ways of doing it, though. So I think when Dr. Koo talked about it, um, you know, he would always say you use a super potent topical steroid for, you know, the four weeks and then kind of once they're clear or, you know, a certain period of time transition to a non-steroidal agent, kind of his sequential therapy approach. Um, I think that's definitely one way to do it. Another thing that I've noticed that actually works really well is rather than, you know, assuming a patient is going to be using something daily 
daily long term. Um, one thing that I do is kind of in the yang part of it, you know, the yin and the yang, the yang part of it, instead of doing a non-steroid daily, I just tell them to use the high potency topical steroid, but cut down the frequency of it. So essentially, they go from doing daily use to during their off periods, maybe using it just twice a week, like on the weekends only, which we've shown again has been has to be safe in the long term. Um, and so I think that that's another way of using it where we're, it makes compliance a little easier for patients. You know, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I do that also. And I, I know some folks will do that. And then on the off days, they'll throw a vitamin D analog into the mix. Yeah. But try it. Mm -hmm. um, do we have evidence supporting that? You know, I, I feel like to make someone use, to your point, use something every single day, yes, it's habitual and you're probably going to improve compliance because they're always going to remember, oh, it's now time to apply my topical. Um, but is there a difference, do you find, using just maybe a, a super potent topical steroid twice a week versus that twice a week plus the calcipatrion? on the off days. Yeah. So when we did the original yin and yang study, we actually did look at that. And there actually is a difference. So if you're able to get the patients to use a um, non-steroidal agent or a vitamin D on those off days, their chances of that remission period being longer are higher. So essentially, they, they can probably go a longer period of time without having to go back into the daily super potent topical steroids. So we're kind of increasing the time between their flares essentially. So, so there probably is some advantage to that. Um, however, like I said, you know, it, that's really hard to do. And so, so I think that if you can explain that to patients and they understand that great, but if not, you know, I think the other strategy works very well. So what final advice do you have to our, our listeners with respect to the use of, of superpotent topical steroids? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've said it already, but please, you know, don't be afraid of using these medicines for, for longer than two to four weeks. I think that they're, they're safe as long as you're monitored closely. Um, talk to your patients, you know, really talk to them, give them the, the strength and courage to continue to clear their psoriasis. Um, and also, you know, the, 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 the ability to be compliant with their treatments and, and really get their skin clear. Well, thank you so much for your insight, your expertise. This has been so very helpful. Um, and of course, thank you all, all of you for joining us tonight and uh, make sure to tune into uh, future editions of the JDE podcast, Ask the Investigator. Thanks to EPI Health, the marketers of Nuvale, Citavig, and Benzol HP for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to let them know you enjoyed this podcast.